You're tuned in to the Hearing Matters podcast with Dr. Gregory Delfino and Blaze Delfino of Audiology Services and Fader Plugs, the show that discusses hearing technology, best practices, and a growing national epidemic, hearing loss. On this episode, we are welcoming back Scott Bennell, Dr. Scott Bennell from Sonic. He is the global product manager. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks, Blaze. It's great to be here again. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of podcasts, and I'm a huge fan of your podcast, so I really appreciate you having me on again. Well, thank you. We are, like I said, very excited to have you back on the show. We had you on a couple of months ago discussing the Sonic Radiant line, and since then, Scott, there has been some incredible, exciting news from Sonic. Since the last time we spoke, I understand that Sonic has released a new Radiant product. Can you tell me what is new with the Radiant product line this fall? Yes, absolutely. So uh, at the beginning of the year, you know, we, like you mentioned, we launched uh, the Radiant product. So Radiant product was on a brand new platform. So basically a new microchip, some new processing schemes and strategies. And it's been done very well. And we've had a tremendous success with it. But you know, the Radiant product was just one model. It was the... Mini Right TR, T for telecoil, R for rechargeable. You know, we found that majority of people want rechargeable hearing aid. And uh, our, our rechargeable solution is quite good. It's not, you know, we have very, very few problems. But there's some people out there, approximately 10 to 15% of the people don't really want a rechargeable hearing aid. And um, they're just not sold on it for whatever reason. And so we've now offer, are offering the Mini Right T. So it's a non rechargeable. Hearing aid, it uses a 312 zinc air battery. It looks exactly like the Mini Right TR. It just got a 312 battery. The functionality is pretty much exactly the same. So, for those people who aren't uh, sold on the rechargeable, we have that to offer and we're excited about that. We also are offering a new ear mold. So, we've added another ear mold or custom ear mold option on our, on our uh, current ear mold portfolio. So, it's called the micro shell, and it's really going to help people with smaller ears or hard to fit ears. It's basically if you took out the uh, small, the regular receivers, the 85 and 60 is what we, is the numbers we use. And um, we take those and we kind of, you strip them down to their bare bones and then you can encase it in a, in a mold. Mm. You can make that very small. It can fit deeper in the ear canal. It can help with comfort. It can help with retention. And uh, it's going to be a great offering for those people, again, with the smaller ears for or people who just want a deeper fit or fit that doesn't people can't see as much. And I think the last time I was on, we talked a lot about music. We talked about our smart music program. Yes. And what we've done is we've basically upgraded that to the smart music pro program. So in the past, when we first launched with the smart music. We had smart music for live music. And it had this that had this great extended dynamic range feature. So we allow for the inputs that come into the hearing aid to kind of be extended up, up to 113 decibels to let in kind of the peaks of music that were traditional hearing aids kind of cut off uh, because speech only gets about 95 decibels. And so the Smart Music Pro does that as well, but it's it's actually has another feature and there's a lot of R&D that went into this. Another feature, a, a brand new, we call it a fitting rationale, specific to music and specific to this program. Wow. So we have all the fitting rationale. We talk about fitting rationales. We're talking about our, pro, it's basically different processing strategies. How, how are we going to apply gain? How are we going to apply compression and so forth? Fitting rationales have been around a long time and they've always been 
for speech. Yes. Right? <laughs> They're just always for speech. And that's the way it should be. So you have like the generic fitting rationales, NAL and DSL. And then for Sonic, we have our best fit fast. But for this new program, we've created a fitting rationale specific to music. So it takes, it basically changes the gain and compression characteristics to be more in line for the spectral and loudness characteristics of music rather than speech. So, um, you know, it's got more bandwidth to use and, and it kind of makes things a little more linear in parts of the signal that it needs to be more linear to kind of preserve all those uh, peaks of music and kind of keep everything intact. So the Smart Music Pro basically takes the place of the old music program and the old Smart Music program. So we take those two programs will be gone and now we just have Smart Music Pro. So we could probably do an episode on that someday maybe. But uh, Oh, absolutely. Um, and, for and, our music, <laughs> and for our musicians and music lovers, absolutely. We've had great success with our patients that we fit with the, the Radiant product line, especially with that Smart Music Pro. They've reported, they just love it. It's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, and it is really quite good. So that's available now with this, with the with the new Radiant product. So if you have a, somebody out there that already has Radiant, we can do a fir- you do a firmware update, which you want to do every time anyway. And now their firmware updates for wireless, so that's much more helpful. Yes, no more wires. And uh, <laughs> yeah, right. So you do a firmware update, and then you'll have that Smart Music Pro program. So that's kind of exciting for us. And the last thing we have is uh, this thing called a cross transmitter. So I've been with Sonic now for uh, fifteen years, actually. My um, 15 year anniversary is coming up in, in the next month. So if, if my boss is listening, I hope she's paying attention to that, and I hope I get a, a, a nice uh, present. But um, <laughs> congratulations! The, uh, right, right, right. Thank you. So, but I've been around 15 years. The company's been around like t- over well over 20 years, and uh, we've never had a cross transmitter. So this is the first time ever. And the cross transmitter can also be formatted as a bicross. But people have been asking since day one. I've been, but I've been working for Sonic. Is hey, every now and then, do you guys have a cross transmitter? And now we're able to say yes, we do. So we're excited about that, which I think is incredible. Because, and for our listeners tuned in who don't know what a cross stands for, it's C R O S, and it stands for contralateral routing of signal. Correct, Scott. What? type of patient do we fit with a cross or a bi-cross system? Right. So we have um, patients with, basically patients with single-sided deafness. People, patient that cannot benefit, and, and, and you say deafness, right? That can mean a lot of different things, not just primarily that they don't hear any beeps or they don't hear speech. Um, basically, they cannot benefit from a hearing aid on one ear. And uh, so we call that maybe an unaidable hearing on one side. And either a normal or hearing that can benefit from a hearing aid on the other side. So you talk about cross and bicross, and you mentioned that cross is the contralateral routing of signal. One of the many, many, many acronyms we use in the field of audiology, we always we use way too many acronyms. If you think cross is a mouthful, the bicross is the bilateral contralateral routing of signal, <laughs> which basically means that um, we have an unaidable ear on one side, and we're going to we're going to transmit that signal wirelessly to the other hearing aid. And we're going to do that, you know, through, through wireless technology. And then uh, in a cross setup, there, the other hearing aid, the receiving hearing aid, will just be taking that signal and amplifying it into the ear. In a bi-cross setup, it'll be taking that signal as well as the signal coming from the, the, hear, the, the other ear that has that pro- they could, have, um, could have some hearing loss and can benefit from more sound coming on that side. So it's kind of complicated. 
but it's basically taking the signal and putting it into the other ear so the patient can be a two-sided list, two-sided listener rather than a one-sided listener. And uh, uh, with a sonic transmitter, we're using NFMI or near-field magnetic induction for our wireless protocol to do that from one ear to the other. The um, NFMI is uh, has very low battery drain. It also transmits to transmission distance is very short. But remember, we're just trying to get it from one ear to the other. And so unless the person has a very, very large head or circumference of their head, right, which is pretty rare. Um, they can get that uh, signal across wirelessly and they can benefit from the cross transmitter. Now, Scott, I'm just curious, what are the causes of single-sided deafness? The causes of single-sided deafness, it's a great question. It can be a lot of things. So sometimes we can be this thing called sudden sensory neural hearing loss. And most of these cases of sudden, sudden sensory hearing loss, they basically wake up and they don't have hearing all of a sudden. A lot of those are idiopathic or, or otherwise unknown, um, but single-sided deafness can be caused by trauma. Uh, it can be in a uh, can be in an infection. Uh, it can be an autoimmune disease. Ototoxicity can can occur in one side of the ear sometimes. So ototoxicity is if someone's in, in the hospital and they have a very life-threatening disease or infection, we can use a very strong antibiotics like gentamicin, for instance, that can be potentially ototoxic, but it also save the person's life. And it can cause single-sided deafness in some some cases. I mean, years disease is something that can also cause single-sided deafness. Diseases of the inner ear, like a paralymphatic fistula, which I saw that a handful of times when I worked at the hospital doing vestibular testing. Uh, but single-sided deafness can also be uh, retrocochlear, which really means it's not involving the peripheral part of the ear, the inner ear, the ear canal, and all that type of thing. It can be something that's more related to the central nervous system or the brain, like a stroke. There's some tumors that can occur on the eighth nerve, uh, acoustic neuroma or vestibular schwannoma. Um, demyelinating disease can cause, sing- can cause single-sided deafness, such as uh, multiple sclerosis is the common one. So, Scott, some of these causes are and can be sudden. So you wake right. up one morning and I can't right. hear out of my left ear. That has got to be incredibly frightening. And we've had patients uh-huh. here in the office who do present with sudden idiopathic hearing loss, of course, referral to the ENT right away. Mm-hmm. Now, right. for the brain to relearn using a cross system, what does that look like, especially when it comes to treatment options? You know, are there other treatment options available for single-sided deafness other than a cross? What is available to these patients? Good question, Blaze. And, you know, there there can be a few different options. The cross transmitter is probably the least invasive option. And it's really not invasive at all. You're just putting a hearing aid on. Or two, you're basically putting two hearing aids, the cross transmitter on one side and the, um, and, the, and the receiving hearing aid on the other side. But the uh, other treatment options are, uh, uh, we have this thing called the BAHA, the Bone Anchored Hearing Aid, another acronym. And uh, it's a minimally invasive surgery to uh, implant this Baja. And it's, it's, it uses this, uh, we call it percutaneous uh, solution. So the percutaneous uh, means through the skin. And they actually, uh, they put in a vibrator that's in a, in a plug that's in your, on your mastoid, I think, or close to your mastoid on your, through your skull. And then you, bu- you plug in this Baja device and it kind of vibrates the skull and the other ear so to kind of restore that two-sided listening. It's actually, it's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to have some kind of Frankenstein-like 
plug that comes out of their that's in their skull. Um, but it can be very effective at um, kind of restoring that two-sided listening. The other option, really, which is a lot more invasive, is a non-reversible invasive surgery, which would be the cochlear implant. And it's really not that common for single-sided deafness. You would call a cochlear implant more of a transcutaneous solution, which means that it's kind of measured across the depth of the skin. Mm. And and I'm not an expert on cochlear implants, but basically it's this electrode array that's that's surgically put into the, the cochlea that's like kind of inserted into the cochlea. And then it has a magnet that's under the skin that connects to another magnet to the speech processor. And the speech processor takes the sounds and can kind of converts acoustic hearing into electric hearing in the most basic form. And you could probably do a uh, podcast or many podcasts on cochlear implants because they are really one of the... Tr- to my belief is they are the uh, one of the true miracles of my lifetime. And I think that's going to be coming. People will see in the next few years when these kids that have been implanted with cochlear implants like 20 years ago are kind of kind of saturate more of the marketplace and, you know, and workplace, people will see uh, really what a miracle it can be. But I'm definitely not an expert on that. And but I do know that it can be used in single sided deafness. Um, there's actually an article that just came out that somebody may be aware of yesterday. Um, and in Germany, they did a study with kids treated with a cochlear implant for single-sided deafness, and the results uh, were, were quite good and they were quite successful. So, Scott, I want to bring this up. We actually have a question from one of our followers from Dallas, Texas, asking us when an individual presents with single-sided deafness and they are fit with a cross system, will this assist in increasing speech understanding in noisy situations? Good question. And that is basically the general idea. So I can answer that with a yes in most cases. You know, uh, single-sided deafness, to kind of go back on that topic, uh, it's more common than you think, for one thing. About 1% of the population has some sort of single-sided deafness. Um, That's about 60,000 Americans a year. 25 years ago or so, 25, 30 years ago, they didn't really treat single-sided deafness. Mm. Kids in school who had can't hear out of one ear, well, you got a good ear, right? So you're fine. Adults, the same thing. Then they started doing more research and they just started saying, hey, people with single-sided deafness have reduced speech understanding, especially in noise. Then they lose this ability to localize where sound's coming from. And especially kids, and they did studies on kids, and they found the kids who were not untreated for single-sided deafness were doing quite a bit worse than the other kids with normal hearing in the classroom. So they started treating single-sided deafness with cross-transmitters. I remember in the hospital, I saw somebody with this. They used to, the first cross-transmitters had a wire. They were fully wired. That's before I've seen wireless photos. technology got so... Yeah, yeah, right. And they would have... And that's obviously not... Most people don't want to wear that, but um, that's how they did treat it back in the day. And now that wireless technology has got so much better, they're able to treat it much, much easier and better nowadays. But the challenge is that people with single-sided deafness are really a direct result of losing their binaural hearing. The importance of binaural hearing is pretty understated, I think. There's quite a few different things when it comes to binaural hearing that we probably don't realize. And uh, some things that I kind of forgot about, I remembered it when I was in grad school. So I kind of re, uh, for this podcast, I kind of... uh, Dove back into the textbooks, huh, Scott? Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But uh, binaural hearing has a lot of different characteristics. So we have binaural loudness summation which is the signal is perceived as louder or more salient, and it improves bilateral hearing thrustles by 3 dB. 
compared to just hearing in one or one ear. Yes. So you have binaural loudness summation. So you lose that with single-sided deafness. You lose this thing called binaural redundancy. And that's this kind of this brain's innate ability to fuse the same signal that is received independently by both ears, creating a more complete sound picture than either ear can do alone. So they also have binaural squelch, which is the brain's ability to suppress noise from spatially separated sources as well. And then finally, this thing I, I, might, I think I talked about earlier about the head shadow effect. The intensity of the high-frequency sound is reduced when sound travels from one ear to the other side of the ear just because your head's in the way. Yes. Right? Yep. So the, the low frequencies have longer wavelengths and can kind of travel around a lot easier. But we lose through that transmission a little bit just because the head's in the way. And that's that head shadow effect. And so for all those things to add up to uh, poor localization and, and not be able to hear as well in noise. So a cross-transmitter can kind of restore that binaural hearing and improve that speech understanding and noise. So that's a long answer to that first question. You definitely (laughs) brought me back to school, Scott, really. And Dr. Miller, if you're listening, Scott just brought me back because I remember that being on one of our exams. But, And that's a question that we get often, Scott. So Mm -hmm. to our patients tuned in right now, if you're a patient of ours and we fit you with a cross system and you're doing really well, the technology decreases that listening effort and our patients have reported decreased listening effort in those noisy situations. Scott, out of curiosity, does a cross or bi-cross transmitter, does it have any type of noise reduction in it or how does that really work? That's a great question. Yeah. So for the, I can't speak to all the manufacturers, but for this new cross transmitter for Sonic, we are cleaning the signal with noise management. Um, our noise reduction, you know, impulse noise reduction, all these noise reduction features that we have in our current hearing aids are going to help clean the signal, the cross signal before it's transmitted. You know, the thing about the cross is it's basically only using the microphone and it's taking that signal and sending it over to the other ear and the other ear is amplifying it and putting it out to the receiver. It's cleaned with noise reduction. So as you know, Sonic does noise reduction just about as good or better than anybody out there. And I could say that with a lot of confidence. So. It's, uh, yeah, definitely, it's going to, should be using noise reduction. You definitely want that signal clean before we amplify it on that other ear. That is such great news to hear because oftentimes, Scott, when we have patients in the office, their question is, is this going to help me in noisy situations? And the fact Mm -hmm. that you are cleaning up that signal, because imagine just sending a garbled up signal to the the better ear, that's really not going to help. So that is wonderful news to hear. Scott, is the cross considered to be an actual, quote, hearing aid, or is it something different? Yeah, that's another good question, Blaze, because, you know, the cross transmitter, it looks like a hearing aid. It looks exactly like a hearing aid, right? So if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, right? Have you heard that saying? <laughs> well, it actually doesn't quack like a duck because it's, it's, it's only using the microphone and then some of that noise reduction capabilities. The receiver on the cross hearing aid is not actually, it's basically a dummy receiver. receiver. It's, it's, it's just there t- to keep the transmitter from falling off your ear, basically. It's not amplifying anything into that ear because that ear is, is, can't be helped with a hearing aid. As a provider and a hearing healthcare professional, I am personally so excited to help our patients who do present with single-sided deafness to get them into this technology and hear how wonderful They are understanding in noisy situations, but even in quiet situations, because Mm -hmm. single-sided deafness 
the individual who presents with single-sided deafness, that can be incredibly frightening, for lack of a better term, especially if it is sudden. And we love working with our patients uh, that we do fit with with a cross system because when you fit them with the system, Scott, it's like, oh my gosh, this is this is what I remember. This is how right. I remember hearing it. And they have such better spatial awareness. Scott, another question from one of our followers. This is actually from Orlando, Florida. Will the cross transmitter just be rechargeable or will it also be disposable battery operated? Right now, the cross-transmitter is rechargeable. So the only offering we have is rechargeable hearing aid. So it'll probably work best if you have the rechargeable receiving hearing aid and we have uh, like a common set. Right now, we don't have a a cross-transmitter with a zinc air battery or non-rechargeable cross. Um, That's something we we may be offering later. For right now, it's just a rechargeable. You're tuned in to the Hearing Matters podcast with Dr. Gregory Delfino and Blaze Delfino of Audiology Services and Fader Plugs, the show that discusses hearing technology, best practices, and a growing national epidemic, hearing loss. On this episode, we had Scott Bennell from Sonic. He is the Senior Global Product Manager. Scott Bennell, thank you so much for coming on to the Hearing Matters podcast again. We look forward to your next episode. And until next time, your life story. Thanks again for tuning into the Hearing Matters podcast today. I'm your host, Blaze Delfino. And on behalf of our entire team, thank you so much for the support. Truly, it means so much to us. Head on over to the Apple Podcast app and Share your thoughts. What did you like most about this episode? And what do you like most about our podcast? Five-star reviews are always appreciated. And also head on over to Instagram, hit that follow button, and let's connect. And as a team, we can continue to help our community hear life story.